0: Welcome to the latest edition of the Sports Pan on ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops here to the cheer along as always this Thursday afternoon, and per usual on Thursdays, we're joined by the pride of local three TV. That's Mr. Jake Durant, kind enough to lend us his time and co-host today's show with us. What's up, Jake? Man, not a whole lot. Uh, continuing,
1: just trying to, uh, you know, continue through this this pandemic, this this strange time we're in. Um, just hoping that we're going to get back to normalcy sooner than later. It's been nice to see, you know, sports leagues in discussion about potential returns. Obviously, the Korean Baseball League uh, up and running They're, you know, airing games over here in the U.S. And that's been a treat to watch a little bit here and there, even though baseball isn't my favorite, you know, sports of all time or anything like that. Uh, it's been nice just to see some live sports some some highlights and things like that. So I'm going to take what I can get. Um, but other than that, man, we're, you know, we've been uh, doing the senior spotlights here at, at Local 3 and just kind of keeping up with, with the discussions with, with the major sports leagues and things like that and, and just trying to to truck along here. So it hasn't been too bad for me.
0: Have you found a Korean baseball team to be a fan of? Because I have. I was on here last week before Open Day talking about that through, uh, through this uh, show with the listeners, and I think I've decided on the LG Twins simply because their name is the Twins.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got that connection with the, with the Minnesota Twins there. Honestly, I have not found a Korean baseball team that I can root for. To be honest with you, I don't even have a major league baseball team that I root for <laughs> or have any sort of emotional connection. So it would be dis- a disservice to have a Korean baseball team and not have a major league baseball team. So um, I don't know. You know, I, it's weird because it, it's tough for me to to figure out how to become emotionally attached or become a fan to a team I've I was born into being a Green Bay Packers fan in the NFL I was born into being a Detroit Pistons fan in the NBA and so forth but for some reason I just never got you know I don't even really remember when I became fans of of some of those teams but for some reason for baseball you know maybe it was just because you know my father wasn't much of a baseball fan in his own right or anything like that um but it's just tough like when when am I going to be like you know what that is my baseball team because I'm not going to just jump on a bandwagon for when a team, you know, uh, wins a World Series or anything like that because I'd be called a bandwagon fan. So um, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what is it going to take? Is it going to take a, a player that I like? Is it going to take, you know, some sort of underlying story, some sort of, uh, you know, adversity achievement from a team or something like that? I'm not really sure. I'm definitely glad I didn't jump on the the Astros bandwagon <laughs> uh, or anything like that. So I'm still waiting on on trying to find a baseball team. If, if anyone out there has any reason why I should jump on their favorite team's band, not bandwagon, but be a fan of their favorite team, please let me know because I'm struggling, man. You know, the Detroit Tigers, I guess I'm the closest thing to that just because that's a team that I, I cover and I know a little bit more about than other teams. And that's you know, far maybe from a
0: bandwagon of, right now.
1: Right. And, and yeah, if I, if I was to say I'm a fan of the Detroit Tigers, no one would really – you know, come at me for that, you know, and maybe the Milwaukee Brewers, again, a team that's in my my market area. So, uh, but that's a little bit of a better team. So somebody might be like, oh, you're just jumping on, you know, the momentum or something like that. But I don't know, man, I don't know. One day, I'll, one day, I, it'll just click, I think.
0: Well, you're always welcome in the Twins bandwagon. Us Twins fans don't punish people for hopping on. We're always excited to welcome more to the family because uh, right now, pretty darn good time to be a Twins fan. I tell you what,
1: yeah, yeah, you're having a pretty good little run. Hopefully they can stay stay uh consistent with it and and yeah, I think the Twins are are in a pretty good, you know, pretty good spot right now.
0: Yeah, hopefully we have the season for them to continue their run. We have a lot to get into today and part of that does include the baseball season. We have got a list of teams that ah, geez, I sound like Joe McCarthy whenever I say that, but I've got a list in front of me of the top NFL teams at every position for the upcoming season we're going to tell you what we like what we don't like about that plus if you're looking for a college football coach to immediately step in and turn your program around who would you take i've got a list of some guys keep doing that i've got a list of some guys though <laughs> that they uh have proven that they can do it at multiple schools and they have the most successful winning percentage of any coach in college football right now and i tell you what there're going to be some surprises on that list we'll tell you it'll make you think wow, maybe I was wrong about this guy. Maybe he could step in, and maybe I should rethink how I feel about this uh, coach and uh, coming into my program. I I know that I felt that way. Plus, uh, there's a new policy with Fox Sports that it sounds like is a done deal for the coming NFL season if it does indeed happen. And then, like I mentioned earlier, talk about the baseball season. Blake Snell had some comments that I've got some comments on. And uh, the NBA... um, Vice President of the Players Association, Jalen Brown, was on CNN yesterday, and he had a really good interview. So all that and more coming up of the course next hour. Jake, I want to start with, though, a pretty nice little transfer for your Michigan Wolverines basketball squad. They uh, picked up Nogel Eastern, a junior guard, 6'7", 225 pounds. He's a guard and uh, transfer from Purdue. They picked him up around noon today
1: yeah um you know i was on twitter and uh, to be honest with you I, I i didn't really know anything about the guy prior to today um and i was just you know scrolling through my twitter and i see okay this eastern transfers to michigan and i'm like oh what the heck i'm gonna go and check out maybe some highlights without really knowing what position he played or anything like that his you know his his physical traits or anything like that then i go turn on turn on the highlights, David. and granted it is highlights but a, he's a six seven point guard a lefty you know very smooth with it uh, very aggressive as a slasher to the rim likes to you know posterize guys and things like that and and anytime you can get a guard who's six seven who can handle the rock uh, especially when you talk about a lefty who's a little bit harder to guard um, from what I saw you know I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about about that. Uh, that move there, especially being a Michigan basketball fan where over the last couple of months, it's been nothing but, you know, not great things happening for the program after, you know, that, obviously Juwan Howard doing a great job in recruiting. We lost a couple of recruits, uh, you know, some of the top recruits in the nation that really was rounding out our, our class coming in. Um, so that, that was disappointing. But to have this guy come in and obviously fill a void after losing a couple big big recruits, um, I'm excited to see, see how he plays, man. He, obviously, like you said, he played at Purdue, so it's not like he's coming from some really small school or anything like that. He's been playing at a high level, playing against Big Ten opponents, and, and uh, hopefully he can come in and, and add some leadership, add some experience. Uh, you know, Michigan's going to have some young guys coming in. I think Juwan Howard's going to try to play some young guys early. He's going to need to. And uh, it's going to be – I think it was a solid move, and I'm really glad that Michigan was able to kind of bring this guy in and kind of swoon him over. And, and uh, like I said, man, anytime you can find a 6'7", his position is, is is down as point guard. So you've got a 6'7", point guard. He's he's a big-body guy. Like I said, he's in his, like, 220s. Um, a slasher shows he can pass the ball. Uh, he can shoot mid-range and things like that. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Hopefully he can come in.
0: Oh, he put up really respectable stats as a sophomore at Purdue seven and a half points a game, five and a half rebounds, two and a half assists. And he was part of a team that made the Elite Eight a couple of years ago, or at least the last time we had an NCAA tournament. They uh, fell to Virginia, who went on to win the national championship. But like you said, Jake, he is in conference. He's a Big Ten player, so barring a waiver, he's not going to be eligible to play for the coming season. Uh, but, man, he's something to look forward to for Michigan. And I, I almost wonder what this says about Purdue as a basketball program, because he's the second player who's going to play a big role for them that has transferred out of the program. They lost the big man, Harms. I think he was like seven foot three, and he left for BYU. And Matt Painter, he's... Uh, he's got a little bit of salt to this. Uh, he went on, uh, I forget what outlet it was, but he was asked about uh, Eastern after he joined the transfer portal after Harms committed to BYU, and Painter said transfers don't get drafted. And I'm like, ooh, that's that's kind of interesting. I wonder what's going on inside the Purdue locker room. And, and, you know, I don't you know, I'm
1: not trying to say Matt Painter's a bad coach. He's He's obviously done some great things there at Purdue, but to me, you're just you're just kind of pouring salt on a wound right mm. there. Um, I think you know recruits are going to look at that and and like you said, it, it doesn't come off in the greatest light. Um, you know, I think the best way to go about things, even if you are salty, you kind of keep that behind closed doors. You know, wish the recruit the best and and respect his decision. Don't go on and and say something like that to, to kind of diminish the player a little bit. Uh, maybe he's, maybe that's a big reason why, you know, maybe he's kind of, um, I don't know, rubbing the players the wrong way a little bit. Maybe, you know, there's something going on there. Obviously when you lose one player, sometimes you see that kind of, uh, that wave of maybe another player might see that guy leave and be like, you know what, I don't like the future or where this is going now that we lost X player. So I'm going to go, um, see what my options are to try to get myself in a better position and and uh, sometimes you see that when, when one guy goes You might see another guy follow and things like that and it does happen. It happens at, uh, at major universities and things like that sometimes players feel like they have a better uh, a better route a better opportunity somewhere else and, and uh, Like you said that the team has been successful in recent years. So it's 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 kind of surprising to me I don't really know what's going on there, but um Obviously, those are some big losses for for Purdue.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can't say enough about the job that Matt Painter's done, building a successful basketball program at Purdue. But if you were to tell me, Jake, uh, that Matt Painter was kind of a jerk, maybe, I could kind of believe that just by looking at him. I don't know him. I don't know anything about him. Maybe he's he's an upstanding citizen. I don't know. Uh, But, you know, this doesn't bode well. It doesn't look good for your program. And like you said, a recruit sees this. Uh, he sees his coach saying something about a former player a couple of former players. I mean, is that really the guy that you want to go play for? I just I don't I don't see anything good that could come out of Matt Painter doing this
1: No, exactly and, and we're we're looking at it from an outsider's point of view and like you said you kind of see the guy the way he carries himself and And you watch enough people and you can kind of get a, a decent read now You're not always gonna be a hundred percent about how this person is off the court or or in, in his personal life or what type of person he actually is. But, but like you said, man, you, you look at Matt Painter, he doesn't look like, you know, he's a super nice guy. He obviously coaches in a certain style. Um, but, yeah, like even just from an outsider's point of view, I'm not even going to play for the guy. I don't have, you know, I'm, I'm not a player under his watch or anything like that, or I'm not going to go there. But for me, that comes off, you know, negatively. So if I'm thinking about going to that school or anything like that, um, you know, you, you kind of get a, of people when when things get tough and and the way they react you kind of get a good feeling about how a person is and um you're talking about uh, a young younger recruits high schoolers who are seeing that or or guys in you know on the team you know maybe there was a gripe between him and the player and and that player went to the team and and they're taking the player side now you got the whole locker room against you and that can things can get really dicey really quick so you got to kind of you know, be careful with with what you're doing. And honestly, Matt Painter, I, don't, I think kind of dropped the ball on that. When you say something like that, I mean that just that just doesn't bode well. Like I said, he could have very well taken it to you know taking uh, action behind closed doors, or or you know he didn't have to go and say that on a on a radio station or over the airways. I just don't don't see what you're getting out of that other than you know trying to make yourself feel a little better about losing a, a, out on a player. And and you know obviously Matt Painter is not happy. He's, he lost so a better player, but But you can't do that. You can't, you know, if you take an L, you don't want to stack L's. You don't want to do that. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, just a few words like that can come off a certain way, and then that gets into ahead of a recruit or, or, uh, you know, current players, and then it's not good. It's not good at all.
0: Let's shift gears just quickly here before we go to break because this was interesting regarding the upcoming NFL season. Joe Buck is a household name. He does a lot of broadcast work for Fox, uh, with the NFL, the MLBs. They're number one. He uh, does Thursday Night Football and then America's Game of the Week on Sunday, plus the World Series and several baseball playoff series. He said that it is almost a done deal. It's pretty much a done deal that if there are no fans or there's only limited fans, maybe, maybe we could have like a third of the stadium full so we can maintain social distancing, that it's pretty much a done deal if we have a football season, that there will be artificial crowd noise pumped into the stadium over the stadium speakers. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, Jake. I know it's all new and everything to us, but uh, I, I don't know if I can get behind that. It. It's kind of like, it's almost like a sitcom where you have the fake audience, the canned laughter that, I, I don't know, it's like someone's telling me when to laugh i i don't i don't know how i feel about this yeah
1: man and, and i'm i'm the same way until i see it it's it's really hard to kind of picture how that how that would be um i was always under the pressure of of us seeing a obviously packed stadiums i just never since this whole thing corona thing started going i just never pictured us going back to that this year um obviously i think would think a vaccine would have to be created and we'd have to be 100% sure that that we were safe against the coronavirus. Um, then, like you said, you talked about maybe having partially filled stadiums. I was like, okay, maybe that could work. Um, I, I'm definitely not going to be going into a stadium if, if I don't really necessarily have to. You know, I think you actually get a better experience when you actually watch it on television. Once in a while, I do go to games just for because it is a whole different experience and things like that. So I was like, maybe that will work. And then, now, obviously, like you said, we're talking about the artificial noise and things um and to be honest with you it's, it's really hard for me to picture that i, I was trying to picture football without any noise, mm. just the two teams playing and just how awkward that would be and, and hearing the players and the players aren't you know the players gain energy in, in things from the fans in that energy that the fans bring i don't know if, if anyone out there has ever had to go up in front of a crowd you know, we've all had to do it at some point in some capacity. But to go in front of a crowd and and feel that energy and the adrenaline that that gives you, being in front of all those eyes, um, it it kind of brings you to that next level. And that's what a lot of these players, you know, are are used to. They're used to that adrenaline when you're just out there and it's quiet and and things like that. I just don't see the game being being similar. So now you're talking about artificial noise and the way you kind of brought it up with a sitcom. You know, that would be that would be very interesting. Um, I do understand, like, players and practice coaches have done that where they just bring in loud noise just to kind of, you know, simulate what the crowd's going to sound like. Um, it might work. I'm not 100% sure how it's going to be. Um, I'm more worried about just the players and how they're going to have to respond playing not with fans. Mm. I just feel like the game is not going to be – Obviously, it's not going to be the same, but it's just not going to be. There's not going to be so much as much energy in the game. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe you know, it'll help the players in some ways. Obviously, quarterbacks and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just tough to tough to think about. It's just tough to picture. So until I actually see what it's going to be like, I, I'm not I'm not going to judge whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. But I do think obviously having crowd noise does help. In different ways you know obviously it helps um the defense when you talk about offense trying to get calls and audibles and things and then it also helps you know the uh the offense as well sometimes so um yeah i mean it's it's interesting to see it's it's a it's a crazy thing to think about but until i see it i'm not going to make any any judgment on it just yet i i I guess i would rather see it them try to do something like that rather than have just a quiet stadium where, you know, we saw the WWE do it mm. where there's no fans, and it was just so weird to me. Mm. Um, the UFC was a little bit different because I think the sport dynamic is a bit a bit different, and I didn't really mind that as much. But to be in a wide-open stadium with just two football teams and no fans, it's, it's just tough to picture, man. It's, it's just tough. I think football is the one sport where the fans, I think, mean the most. I think you can get away with it in baseball. I think you can get away with it in, like, fighting and things like that. But, like – I don't know, with football it just doesn't seem like that would be a very, um, I don't know, it would just be it would just be weird to me.
0: You could take the Korean baseball route and put mannequins in the stands. I mean, I, I don't know, that would look a little bit weird when I've watched it on TV, but it could be an option. Before we hit the break, though, uh, Levitard today, I was listening to them, and on their show they were discussing this. They asked, uh, they put a poll actually out on their Twitter and asked the listeners, What would you rather hear during a football game? Would you rather have artificial crowd noise or would you rather it be silent and you could hear the players cursing on the field? 93% of the audience said players cursing, so take that for what it's worth.
1: Yeah, that's a whole issue with the the whole broadcasting thing, Uh, You know, obviously with the cursing and things like that. I mean, that would be funny to hear what the players are saying. It would be nice to hear the trash talk between the players, but at the same time, I just feel like it would just – it, it wouldn't give me the same feel as, as what I'm used to, and, and I know we're not going to get to that same feel, obviously, um, for for a while, but um, I, I would just like them to do whatever they can to make it as, as close to the real thing as possible, and, and I would like for them to try crowd noise. It might be just like a, let's try this and see how it goes week one, and maybe they switch it up. You know, Obviously, the rules are going to have to be kind of um, week by week, so it'll be interesting to
0: see. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Let's take our first time out when we come back. Who is the deepest NFL team at each position? We'll tell you next on ESPN-UP. First
2: Bank's message is simple. We're committed to helping our customers. I'm E.J. Kastriva, Regional President, and it's especially important at this new and different time to know that your loan officer is a phone call away. And while traditional banking has temporarily seen a few changes, drive through banking is open, and the First Bank staff is here to help make life easier for you. When you need us, let us know how we can help. Visit first-bank.com for more information or call 906-228-7300. We are really all in this together.
1: Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.
0: Now back to the Sports Pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Each position group for the upcoming season. Bleacher Report Gridiron came out with this list, Jake. We're going to talk about what Uh, what we like and what we don't like about this list it's courtesy of Brent Sobleski from Bleacher Report and he has the following position groups quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, secondary and specialist. Now I gotta say just looking at this list I'm okay with it for the most part uh, but let's get Jake's thoughts here and have a discussion about it. We'll start with the quarterback position where I'm okay with this one, Jake. I actually talked about it a few weeks ago on the show. The New Orleans Saints have the best quarterback depth, according to Bleacher Report, obviously Breeze. You get Jameis Winston, who it's debatable is he an NFL caliber starter. He did throw 33 touchdowns last year. And then Taysom Hill, yeah, yeah, who knows what you can do with him. So I'm okay with the Saints being the deepest quarterback team.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously bringing in Jameis Winston, who's been a starter since he entered the league. Yeah, he threw 30 interceptions, but – when he's on, he's a pretty solid quarterback. Um, but I think Taysom Hill definitely puts the Saints over over everybody else just because he can play quarterback. He's not obviously the greatest thrower or anything like that, but he just brings a different threat to that position. So I don't mind, obviously, the Saints. Um, I, th- I think Dallas could be Dallas somebody there, could you could argue. You know, Dak Prescott, obviously, is, is – uh, I think he's like fourth in MVP preseason uh, – voting not voting but like a, a ranking right now uh and then you bring in andy dalton who's been in cincinnati and and he's kind of been an underrated guy obviously he hasn't been able to get that over the hump in cincinnati but he came into the league and he was he was making playoff runs i think through the first five years that he was there maybe even longer um he was winning games there um so you bring him in and then you got that's a nice little one-two punch there but i think Taysom hill definitely puts uh, New Orleans over teams like, like a Dallas because you do got two starters, two players who do have starting experience on both teams, but Taysom Hill just brings that X factor. And, and I don't know if anyone else in the league has a, a Taysom Hill. I think Philly might try to do it, um, bringing in uh dude from Oklahoma forgetting his Hurts. name. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. They might try to do something similar, but um, right now I'd, I don't think um, there's another Taysom Hill in the league. So I think the Saints are a good pick
0: right there. I have an idea of what your answer is going to be for the running back position because we actually did a segment on this earlier in the show, or at least a few weeks ago, and Bleacher Report has the Cleveland Browns as the deepest team at running back. And I know when we went through our list from the score, the 49ers were the team that was the deepest on their list, and you weren't too sure about the Browns being all the way up there at number two uh, with Kareem Hunt backing up Nick Chubb. Uh, what are your are your thoughts still the same here as we uh, as we get together on Thursday? Yeah, and, and you know I, right
1: now just thinking off the top of my head kind of being put on the spot here um, Look thinking about running back groups. I have two teams um, Who could also be kind of in the running there Now I don't know, you know You could make an argument with any of these teams and I'm not saying they're wrong either But I think Baltimore has a as a team as a backfield that's really talented Mark Ingram um, Gus Edwards Justice Hill and then you bring in J.K. Dobbins, who you could argue is the best running back in this year's draft. I think they're definitely a back a backfield that is pretty solid. What about Kansas City? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, they use their first round pick on Clyde edwards hilaire very solid starting running back there. That you bring in, you got Damian Williams, Daryl Williams, you got uh, who else? Thompson. And then I think Quentin Green is another guy that they have. I mean, you're like four or five deep at, at those positions there, um, so that's it's tough. Um, I can see where where Cleveland, you know, obviously gets some some uh, shine there with Kareem Hunt and, and Nick Chubb, etc. But um, there's some teams that you could argue are a little bit better. I think Baltimore is super impressive when you talk about their backfield, um, bringing in J.K. Dobbins and just thinking about how dangerous they're going to be with Lamar Jackson back there who can run the ball as, as good as anybody as a quarterback. I mean, how do you stop that offense? It's mm. crazy to think about.
0: Well, and I got, I got one more team that we can throw into the conversation. How about Denver? They've got a couple of former pro bowlers, yes. Phillip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon, a couple of touchdown machines. Yes,
1: and, and they got – do they still have a race for a Tennessee song? They do. Yeah, I mean, and he's a solid running back too. I think they use a pretty high draft pick on him as well. But, but yeah, you're bringing in Melvin Gordon, who's a who's a starting caliber back, like you said. Philip Lindsay, undrafted, but he came in and be, became an All-Pro, so uh, or a Pro Bowler, excuse me. So uh, yeah, I think that's another team. And then you know, Denver likes to run the ball. They've always been a running franchise. So um, that Denver offense is going to be scary now. They got a lot of weapons there. They got a lot of weapons there for Drew Locke. Um, in the draft along with bringing in Melvin Gordon. So that offense they have a lot of weapons in Denver
0: at the wide receiver position Again, this is Brett Sobolewski of bleach reports list on who is the deepest team at every position group in the NFL and wide receiver Not much of a surprise. He has the legion of zoom the Kansas City Chiefs
1: Yes, and and I would agree with that you can't really argue the Super Bowl winner Tyree kill Nicole Hardman those two guys are practically unguardable um, and you got Sammy Watkins and um um they got DeMarcus Robinson coming back so um definitely think the Kansas City Chiefs are the top wide receiving core um another team that you might be able to throw in there maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mm-hmm. uh Mike Evans and Chris Godwin two 1000 yard receivers um they just drafted Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota he's he's a solid guy who could Potentially be a, a quality starter in the NFL. How about the, the New Orleans Saints as well? Yeah, um, Michael Thomas I think he's the best receiver in my eyes um, I haven't seen a receiver Put together a couple seasons, you know have a start to of a career like him um, Michael Thomas is definitely someone he's he's my favorite player in the NFL and that hurts me as a Michigan fan to say because he went to Ohio State um, Then you bring in Emmanuel Sanders who's been a solid um, veteran guy, he was over in San Fran. I think he really brought that team over the hump there, coming in with his leadership. Uh, San Francisco had a relatively young receiving core, but he kind of brought balance there. And Treycon Smith is an up-and-coming receiver who I think is, has a lot of potential as well. So those are just a couple teams off the top of my head who who could, uh, you know, kind of challenge Kansas City. But I think Kansas City is the the number one team.
0: Looking at the tight end position. And Bleach Report says the deepest team in terms of tight end, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, of course, they added Rob Gronkowski, a future Hall of Famer and arguably the greatest tight end to ever play the game. Uh, they add him to a list that already includes O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid, and that might be about as easy of a position group as anyone had to pick from. Yeah, I
1: mean, O.J. Howard, is he's a starter. You bring in Rob Gronkowski, who in my eyes is the best tight end in NFL history. Um, how can you argue that you can't really argue that you, you, there's, there's teams that have really good starting tight ends When you talk like Travis Kelsey or George Kittle, but but you don't you don't see You see a big drop-off after that. O.J. Howard is is a guy that can hold his own when healthy So I, I have no problem with Tampa Bay being being the number one team with tight ends
0: I tell you what we look at the offensive line and again Brett Soboleski of Bleacher Report put this list together the deepest team at each position group in the NFL for the coming season, offensive line, he has the New Orleans Saints. And I tell you what, you look at that, that offensive line they put together, Teron Armstead, Eric McCoy, Ryan Ramchek, Andrus Pete, Boy, that is a, that's a scary unit that uh, I'm sure Drew Brees is thankful every day that he has in front of him.
1: Yeah, that, this is another one. I can't really argue against this. You bring in Caesar Ruiz with, with your number uh, first round draft pick. Some people thought it was a surprise, but if you really look at what they're doing there, um, like you said, man, that is absolutely scary. And then you have Alvin Kamara behind that. You're you're giving Drew Brees time to come, you know, drop back and pick people apart, and and you got a really good receiving core. So I, I, it's hard for me to argue. It's hard for me to argue that Dallas has always had a very solid offensive line. Although I, so I do think they're they're not as strong there as as in recent years. Um I, my Packers don't get enough love for their offensive line, but they just lost Brian Bulag. I know they brought in Rick Wagner. Um they drafted Elkin Jenkins in the second or third round I'm blanking right now, but he was probably one of the I think, you know, he was the best rookie offensive lineman um last year when you talk about giving up, you know, quarterback pressures and sacks. Um and I and I like what the Packers did late in the draft. I know the Packers' draft is getting a lot of criticism which which it should should get criticism but to triple down on offensive linemen in that those later rounds if you hit on one two of those guys um you're really protecting aaron Rodgers. so i i, I like what green bay's doing i don't think they're at the top league by any means but um yeah i mean new orleans is just they're they're just a really good team you you would like to think that their time is has come and maybe they can maybe get a super bowl but now you're dealing with tom brady in that division and things like that so their road isn't isn't really easy by any means so I don't have any problems with New Orleans being the number one team.
0: Let's move to the defensive side of the ball, and the team that Bleach Report has as the deepest at defensive line, the San Francisco 49ers. They obviously lost to Forrest Buckner this year. They sent him to Indianapolis for a first-round pick, but they used that to get the best run stopper in this year's draft, which Yvonne Kinlaw, you add him to a defensive line that includes the likes of Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas, and some guy named Nick Bosa, who's okay.
1: Yeah, I still have nightmares about the, about the 49ers defensive line. To be honest with you, because uh, my two lowest points in the NFL season last year was against the Niners. As a Packer fan, obviously we saw what Sam Fran did to them, absolutely destroy them in in two two games. Um, and and I have no problem with that. Watch out for the Washington Redskins. I mean, their defensive line is definitely younger. But they're quietly building a very, very scary defensive line. You got Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Ionidas, Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat, um, who fell to them in the draft a few years ago, um, and then you get Chase Young, who many argued was the best overall prospect in the whole NFL draft this year. I mean, that defensive line is going to be scary if if all things come together like they're hoping. Um, just unlimited talent there. You got two of the two of the Alabama boys. Um, Chase Young who just looked unstoppable playing at OSU it's not like he played for a bum program Um, And then just a couple really solid guys as well uh, surrounding them So watch out for the Washington Redskins defensive line. I think they're going to be nasty
0: I tell you what good point good uh, check in on them as well Uh, Once again, we're going through Bleacher Report's list of the deepest position groups uh, for uh, the NFL season for the upcoming year Moving to the linebacker category, and Bleacher Report has named the Pittsburgh Steelers, Blitzburg, as the deepest linebacking core in football. A core that's going to feature TJ Watt, Bud Dupree, and Devin Bush, who's looked really good his first couple of years in the league.
1: Yeah, man. Pittsburgh always seems to have a lot of guys. I, I love Devin Bush, obviously. U of M guy. Um, TJ Watt is a guy that I'm, I'm a huge fan of as well. So it, it's hard for me to to argue there. Dallas, their linebacking core didn't definitely show out like many expected them to with like Jalen Smith and Van Der Esch and company, um, but they're, they're a team that, that you can potentially look out for. Um, man, it's, it's hard for me to think right now. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of blanking on other people, but I, I think Pittsburgh definitely has an argument there to
0: be number one. Tell you what, we look into the defensive secondary now and the team that Bleacher Report has listed with the most depth at the defensive back position, the L.A. Chargers. And they had a scary group last year on paper that never really got to come into fruition because, and they were never healthy at the same time, but they they got a really good group back there when they're healthy. I will say, though, that the New England Patriots pose a pretty, pretty sizable challenge as uh, maybe coming for that title.
1: Yeah, New England, uh, you know, with Stephon Gilmore, that guy's just an unbelievable talent. Um, McCourty and, and things like that. So, yeah, I do agree. Chargers are definitely one of my favorite secondaries. Casey Hayward, Derwin James, etc. I mean, how can you argue against that? They're just a bunch of monsters over there. Um, a few teams that, you know, you could argue. I like Baltimore. Ravens, Marcus mm-hmm. Peters came over, and he played very well for the – for the Ravens, um, looked like he was kind of back to his, his form when he was in Kansas City. Marlon Humphreys, uh, one of the better, younger DBs in the, in the whole NFL. Earl Thomas, um, I know he kind of got caught up in some, some questionable things not too long ago, but if he stays on that team, he's obviously a really good safety. Jimmy Smith is solid as well. Um, just talking about Pittsburgh, I think Pittsburgh is a really good secondary as well. Michael Fitzpatrick's one of my favorite players in the whole NFL. Joe Hayden has been very solid. People thought he lost a step, and maybe he did, but he's still really, really good. Steven Nelson, Mike Hilton, those guys are good. Miami, better watch out for Miami. Xavier Howard, Byron Jones. They they drafted uh, that dude from from Auburn. I'm gonna just r- mumble a, a, his name, Iga Benogini,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, out of Auburn. He he looks like he's pretty solid. I mean, they got a couple guys coming in. They're building a nice division too. Um, so yeah, then there's a few teams. There's there's a few teams that have um, some pretty good depth in the secondary.
0: The final position group on this list, the specialists, the special teamers, and Bleach Report says the Kansas City Chiefs are the best at that position. And I don't know if you can really say there's depth. You don't carry usually more than one kicker, or punter, or what have you. But uh, it's pretty good combination they have there with Harrison Butker, Dustin Colquitt, and you know I, I don't I don't know if there's really a Tandem that I'd rather have you know, if they're a package deal. I don't know who I'd take more than the other So I'm just gonna agree with that one. I think that one's good for me
1: Yeah, I'm gonna agree too. I mean um, Those two guys are definitely top tops in um, One one or if the top in in their position group, so I mean you gotta you gotta give them credit They've been both pretty solid. I don't really know. T- like like you said punters I'm not, I'm not really keeping up on punters if, if you can boot it and and do it consistently then I'm fine with that I don't really look into punters too often so I'm gonna go ahead and agree with you I think Kansas City does have the best teams
0: I tell you what Tanner Hoops Jake Durant with you here in ESPN UP that was Bleacher Reports Brett Sobolewski's list of the deepest position groups for each NFL team for the coming year let's take our next time out when we come back Jalen Brown star for the Boston Celtics and vice president of the Players Association in the NBA was on CNN yesterday talking about what he's heard as far as the NBA's restart plans Hear what he said next on ESPN UP
2: Hi, honey. I'm home. What's new? Hustle delivered our new
0: washer and dryer today. Oh, that
2: was fast. Any problems?
0: None at all. The guys arrived on time, hooked up the water, and hauled away the old ones. Have a look.
2: Hi. Uh, hi. Uh, sweetie, what are these guys doing in our laundry room? They're the household guys.
0: Okay, I can see that, but why are they standing against the wall?
2: (laughs) Why, they're standing behind their products, silly. Would you boys like some more coffee? Household Appliance and Art Van Furniture, locally owned, U.S. 41 West, Marquette. There are big changes coming to auto insurance. You'll have options you've never had before. At vast, making sure you understand your options is our specialty. Sure, we all want to save money, but protecting yourself... Your family and your future is our top priority.
0: Navigating auto reform is easy when
2: you have someone steering you in the right direction. That's Vast. Vast is a proud provider of auto owner's insurance. Auto owners, the no
0: problem people. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. they'll partner with Wilson in time for the 2021-2022 season. Not a fan of that, Jake, to be honest with you.
1: No, me neither. You know, I, I, Spalding's been been a really good partner with the NBA. And um, I don't know, man. You just don't mess with the ball, man. You can't mess with it. And I'm not saying Wilson is a bad company. But just over my experience, I just feel like Spalding is the the better company. I like their product better. And, yeah, I'm just not a, not a huge fan
0: of it as well. The Texas Rangers will be hosting a concert in your car series in the Globe Life Stadium parking lot. The series is scheduled for June 4th through 7th and it's headlined by the Eli Young Band. It gives the fans the opportunity to enjoy music as a community while practicing social distancing. I think that's kind of a neat idea, Jake. You get some bands out there in your stadium's parking lot, fans sit in their car, enjoy music and being part of a community. I'd like to see more teams do that. Good on the Texas Rangers.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good idea if you can do it safely and, and adhere to the social distancing things and not spread, you know, any germs or anything like that. It, it gets people outside, out, out of their homes. You know, music is always uplifting no matter, you know, for the, I mean, unless you're listening to some sad emo music or anything <laughs> like that. But um, I, don't, I don't think they're going to be having any of those artists. But music can be uplifting. You can get out. You can kind of be around people. Um, live music just always, like, uplifts the spirit. At least for me, I love going to concerts. It, it just gives me a good vibe, so um, definitely, uh, I definitely like the idea, and like you said, I hope, hope more teams do something like this to try to help out people in the
0: communities. You talked about being uplifting. You want to avoid sad music right now. Put this on the pull Guillermo. Is this the worst time to listen to a Drake song? Has there ever been a worse time to be Draken?
1: It depends what version of Drake, man. <laughs> Drake has different, different personalities. I'm all for Drake's hype music, you know, where he really is rapping and things like that. If you're listening to, you know, the sad songs, um, maybe not as much. So, um, I'm all for the hype music. I I listen to Drake almost every day. So, you know, I'm a huge Drake fan. Um, and yeah, I mean, it it depends. There's different Drake songs you might want to stay away from. Um, but definitely there is some songs that can get you into the right, if if you find the right ones
0: and finally woodrow wilson was the first president to speak on live radio shortly before his death in november nineteen twenty three wilson delivered a four-minute armistice day address as part of a nationwide broadcast that is your sports center update tanner hoops jake Durant, with you about a hundred years ago jake we had a president first go on radio and he was in obviously poor health he was uh... uh... he had just suffered a stroke and Uh, he was in chronic pain and yet he was able to make the first nationwide address a first uh, presidential nationwide address on radio and uh... that kind of defined new media around that time influencing elections and hundred years later now it's social media that everyone's trying to figure out i saw trump just got on snapchat so (laughs) it's like kind of reminiscent (laughs) trump just made a snapchat so it's kind of reminiscent hundred years ago radio was new media presidents were trying out and now uh, about 100 years later it is social media
1: do you think uh, trump's administration is is happy with the, of the fact he got a snapchat i
0: i don't know i really don't know i'm i'm tempted to add him just out of sheer curiosity
1: just to see what it is yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's it's locked down I'm, i i wonder if they even gave him the password to his snapchat <laughs> to be completely honest with you. but it is crazy how far we've come you know you talk about starting with radio and just seeing Where we are now with technology and ways we communicate and things like that—that kind of brings me up. This is way off topic, but um, I was watching the show on UFOs last night, and uh, this kind of hit me. This kind of struck me. The the jump in technology in recent years. um, This was kind of a theory they had on it was because of uh, the transist the transistor the trans transistor, Mm
2: -hmm. whatever.
1: Um, And it's a technology that you know is. Obviously in electronics and things like that, but uh, what they were theorizing is they got it from a UFO that, that they found in like New Mexico. Um, they they reverse technology they reverse engineered it, and that's what kind of jumped technology. You know you 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 think of the old televisions and how wide and how big they were, but um after that that discovery of the ufo and they reverse engineer their technology they were able to shrink it into the flat screens we've seen now so i don't know if there's anything behind that like i said i was just watching the show last night but i found that really interesting and, and that would be crazy if that's what happened do i think it is probably not but just thinking about that that's kind of crazy
0: and we just had a ufo a couple of weeks ago and you know it, it, it it's simply that it was an unidentified flying object we're not saying it's aliens but That's what it was. That's what we're going to say. The aliens saw what was going on here, and they decided they did not want to come and visit. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll get a transistor radio out of that. I do want to get to Jalen Brown and the comments that he had on CNN last night, but I want to bring this up first, Jake, and it's in regards to the uh, potential restarting of Major League Baseball spring training and then starting an abbreviated season. Baseball had a plan in place, or they do still have a plan in place, in which spring training would resume in June. Uh, baseball games would start in about July, July around the 4th, and then the teams would play an 82-game schedule. They might play in some of their home ballparks if their cities are going to allow it, and uh, they're going to play only geographical opponents, opponents that make sense for them. Um, so now there might be a snag, and I was worried about this because the, uh, latest proposal from the owners is that, uh, since only half the season is being played, they want each player to take a 50% pay cut, so they would split the profits from this season 50-50 between the ownership groups and the players. Blake Snell, a pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays, he was the Cy Young winner a couple of years ago, says that he is adamantly opposed to that. He says, I am risking my health going out there and playing a pro sport, and you want me to do it for less money you want me to go out and do this for only half my paycheck which after taxes it's not gonna be a whole heck of a lot I'm he says no I'm I don't want to do that here's the thing Jake Um, I've got some thoughts on this I'm not totally sure how to feel about it so I want to talk through this Um, because if a player doesn't want to go out there and play uh, because of health reasons I totally get that I would never want anyone to do something that they're uncomfortable with doing, like they're putting themselves at risk. But Blake Snell has made it clear for him: this is not about health. He'd be willing to go out and risk his health if he got his full contract. But if he's going to get half of it, then no, he's not into it. And I don't, I don't know if I should feel like this, Jake. But this kind of is how I feel, uh, regardless of what happens this season, uh, whether we have a season, we have a shortened season, whoever gets what amount of money, the ownership groups. Are going to be fine financially. The athletes are going to be fine financially. I, I I look at this and I see a power struggle with money between owners and athletes, both of whom are going to be okay financially. And they're doing this while people are being furloughed, or being laid off, or filing for unemployment. I get it. If it's health, it truly is your health that you're worried about. And you don't want to play. I totally get that, and I would support that. But <coughs> this doesn't seem to be about health. It seems to be about I want more money if I'm going to go out and take this risk. And to some levels, I get that. You know, I, I respect somebody who wants to get paid what they're worth. But I just – maybe it's just because it's raw. I have a hard time processing that.
1: Yeah, it is. It's hard to to put yourself in that, that athlete shoes because most people like you and me or just normal, everyday people who, um, you know, make just a, a average living when you talk about money, it's it's hard to imagine – you know players who are making millions of dollars um to to have an issue with taking a little bit of you know like you said half of pay cut you're, you're paying playing half the games you take half of the pay, pay cut you you know take 50 percent pay cut that makes sense to me um and it, it's just hard for me to to just picture making that much money to where i would be i'd be like if i was making a tenth of what that guy was making i would go out there and play you know what i'm saying because mm-hmm. that's way more money than i'm making um like you said if, if you're talking about just if you're if you're strictly worried about health if that's all he went on there and said like i'm worried about my health to me the money's not worth it it, it doesn't mean as much as my health i don't want to go out there and play i don't feel safe until we find a vaccine or until we're 100 percent sure that that we're going to be safe like like you said i would have been fine with that but the, but yeah the way he said it you know where he's like, but if if I get paid my normal amount, I'll go out there and play because now that I'm getting paid that much money, X amount of dollars, now it's worth my health. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, it, it comes off like everything's about money. And and are we really surprised? Yeah, are we really really surprised? If it wasn't about money or anything like that, we would just we would just not have a season this year. And all the players would be able to do be safe and, and do what they have to do and then things like that But um, at the end of the day, it's gonna you know, people want money. Um, the league wants money The owners want money the players want money and things like that. Um, for me every player is different um, Every player has a different thought on this. Like you said, you know, we're doing this thing day by day um, So, you know, I would just give an option like you, you, you know, if you're the league We're playing half the games 50% pay. cut. I think that's fair Um you know, we're, we we would love for players to come back and play in the season, et cetera. But if for some reason you don't feel like you want to, I think every player is going to be have a different, you know, different situation and things like that. If not everyone gets paid the same. If you want to come back and, and make money, um, you know, you give them the option. Um, it's it's just tough, man, because this is such a unique situation. It's just um, it's just tough to to kind of have the right answers, um, and that's kind of why all these sports leagues are going day by day and just trying to figure things out but um the way he came off like you said it just didn't seem it just didn't seem like it was anything but money so i didn't really uh, you know feel for this guy or anything like that um i obviously thought the way he he worded his his statement was was wrong um yeah man it's it's tough it's tough because you do worry about obviously i've worry about everyone's health i think that's the number one important thing but from a fan's point of view everyone's just going to look at it like dude you make like millions of dollars like just buckle up and go out there and play everything's going to be fine i think baseball is doing the best to have a plan in place where they're gonna make sure everyone is as safe as they can be um but it's up to you i would just put it up in the voice you can come you're not going to be forced to come we'd love you to come if you want to make money this season if you want to get paid even if it's only 50% to come and play, you know, we're putting all these things in place to where we're going to make it as safe as possible, then you can come play. Um, and if you feel like the money's not worth it or the, the risk isn't worth the reward, then then don't come play.
0: Well, and that's exactly, I think, what it's going to come down to. It's going to be kind of like the collective bargaining agreement the NFL passed a couple of months ago where the players were going to have to play another game, but Game 17 was not going to make as much money as each of the first 16 games. Nonetheless, they agreed to it because in the end, they're not losing money. It's another paycheck, just not as much as they would have liked. And in the end, Blake Snell and a lot of these other athletes, they want to get paid. It's either you get paid half or you don't get paid at all for the year. I just, you know what, and I'm not, somebody who bashes athletes and says they make too much money I actually I advocate for athletes I think that you know we we as common folk don't know what athletes have to put their body through the rigorous training that it takes so I have no problem when somebody's getting a forty million dollar contract or even asking for that much money if they're worth it because I I don't know what they're like I can't put myself in those shoes uh, What it takes to get to that level of uh, talent and the effort behind it the off-season work Um, So I'm not ever going to bash an athlete for trying to get paid what they're worth, but in this case, I would like for Blake Snell to head out to his local Walmart, his Walgreens, and explain his plan, explain his position to one of the grocery store workers, one of the essential workers who still come in and they put their own health at risk, and they do so for a lot less money than he does. That's kind of what I'd like for Blake Snell to do and just get a little perspective on the world i do want to get to Jalen brown we can't hear before the break plus we have a college football coaches segment uh, if you could have someone step in and take over your franchise, is there
2: somebody on this list that's next on ESPN? You pick- First Bank's message is simple: we're committed to helping our customers. I'm E.J. Kostreva, Regional President, and it's especially important at this new and different time to know that your loan officer is a phone call away. And while traditional banking has temporarily seen a few changes, drive-through banking is open, and the First Bank staff is here to help make life easier for you. When you need us, let us know how we can help. Visit first-bank.com for more information, or call. 9- 906-228-7300. We are really all in this together.
0: Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Jake Durant with you. Glad to have you along as always. Boy, we're going to pack a lot here into these final minutes of the show, final 10 or so minutes, uh, because I do want to get to our college football coaches segment. It might surprise you some of the guys that we have on this list. First, though, I do want to touch on what Jalen Brown said yesterday when he appeared on CNN. Brown, of course, a very talented wing player with the Boston Celtics. He's What, only about 21, 22 years old, yet he is the vice president of the NBA's Players Association. And he went on CNN yesterday, Jake, and he said he does not expect the regular season to be finished. He expects if the NBA does start up again, they're going to go right into the playoffs. He said on CNN yesterday, and this is a quote from Brown, I think that is kind of like understood already in a sense I don't want to jump the gun, but I think the playoffs is what makes the league most of its money, and I think if we all agree to come back and play in the playoffs, I think it can regenerate the income so that we'll be able to have a pretty solid salary cap going into next year, so the playoffs are what's important. Um, You know, as much as I'd like to see regular season basketball, I'd I'd like to see as much basketball as I can, he's right. (laughs) I mean, from a financial aspect, he's right. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and I agree. I mean, I, I when they were talking about bringing the NBA back, with with how much time has already been, you know, missed because of everything that's going on, I just in my head, I just already assumed that they were just going to go right to the playoffs, and and the regular season was just going to be complete. Now, as a Detroit Pistons fan, I'd love to see the regular season get played out, so Detroit has a, a lot more opportunities to lose more games. Um, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just makes sense. Uh, That way you're not putting um, more, you know, harm to the players or chance for for players to have to, you know, go out on the court and play again, um, go right into the playoffs. The one thing I am worried about is the players not having enough time to – um get their bodies back in shape now i'm sure all of these players are working out and things like that but um you know it takes you in order to get in game shape you have to play in games and if you're going to go right to um i don't know if there's going to be like a moonlight period where they have a a solid number of games just to get ready for the playoffs or anything like that but um i just think it's not going to do the league uh, justice to jump right into games and expect the players you know playoff games high intensity games with a lot on the line and expect the players to be completely in shape or you know we could potentially see injuries and things like that And, and um i guess if there's one thing that i would suggest is just having a few games to get warmed up and and get some guys in shape and, and normally that takes weeks that takes you know a while for for guys to get into their peak shape um but uh you know i just always thought yeah the regular season is kind of just going to be a wash and and I don't think anyone can blame the NBA for that because of, of what's going on. And, and to be honest with you, they were getting pretty close to the – you know, things were playing out. I don't know how many teams – you know, yeah, there were teams that could potentially still could fight their way into the playoffs and things like that. But um, just with things and the way they're going right now, you kind of just have to draw the line. And I think jumping into the postseason is, is just the right thing to do um, because that's what people – you know, that's what people want to see. That's what the players um, are, are wanting to go back for. Um, right now so um, I just think they were far enough in the regular season where things were played out um, before it all got shut down and I just think it would be right to go right into the playoffs like I said all I want to see is kind of um, players have a chance to kind of get their legs underneath them a little bit
0: I would love to dive deeper into that I think there's a lot that we could get into there but in the interest of time with under 10 minutes to go in the show I want to move over to college football I've got a list in front of me of the top college coaches in terms of winning percentage now these are all active coaches and they have to have a minimum of 100 wins and this is an interesting list Jake because a lot of these guys have done it. almost everybody has done it at multiple schools and they built winners out of these schools and I just want to go through this list with you to see if any of these guys surprise you and you know you you always hear about you know the grass could be greener with a different coach um, this is this is just interesting here so quickly I want to go through this list number 10 Bronco Mendenhall of Virginia with a 639 win percentage. Obviously, he was Taysom Hill's uh, football coach at BYU, and he's since gone on to Virginia. He's had a lot of success there, and yeah, I get it. They got smashed by Clemson in the ACC championship game, but they still won that division, and this was a program that was just awful. Like three or so years ago, they were, what, 2-10? and 10? So Bronco Mendenhall would be kind of a sleeper option if you're looking at maybe a coach who could come in and win at another school.
1: Yeah, you know, a coach that was able to, you know, BYU and Virginia, not necessarily, I mean, BYU's always been a, a rather surprising, decent football team. Um, and sometimes you do have to get lucky with players, you know, Taysom Hill coming in and, and being the catalyst to to those great teams while he was there. Um, Bronco's a great name. I mean, just have his name in general as a recruit, I think like, that's pretty dope. I'm, I might try to look at that. But um, any guy that can come and turn around a, a team like, like a Virginia who's, you know, kind of like a basketball school. You got Virginia Tech as, as a football school there. Um, you got to give them credit. So, yeah, I mean, potentially if you're a school that, you know, is looking for some somebody who can come in and it's not as known or won't uh, command as much, as much money um, as some of the big, big names,
0: why not look at him? Number nine on this list with a 662 win percentage, Mac Brown of North Carolina, and they just kind of did that, Jake. They saw a guy who was a proven winner, won a national title with Vince Young at Texas about 15 years ago, left coaching, went to broadcasting, and now he's back as a coach. And really encouraging stuff out of North Carolina here early on his tenure. I think they have a really good freshman quarterback in Sam Howell. He had a really good freshman season. And of course, they brought Clemson right down to the wire, had a chance to win it at the end by going for two, and weren't able to convert it. But Mac Brown, number nine on this list
1: yeah you know that's a legend a legend name and uh i'm sure north carolina was definitely happy they were able to get him north carolina obviously known as a is a strictly basketball school so anytime you can have success at a school that's considered a basketball school um in a sport like football i think you got to give them credit um you know he just has he has the resume man so uh yeah mac brown that's pretty interesting done a great job they've they've had some players there at north carolina
0: Let's double up on a few of these here in the interest of time. At number eight with a win percentage of six sixty-eight, Mike Gundy from Oklahoma State. And at number seven with a six seventy-six win percentage, Kyle Whittingham from Utah. Now Oklahoma State, in regards to Gundy, they're always a team that's kind of right there. It's like a top twenty, top twenty-five team. They're, you know, pretty good. They can get a win, a big win every once in a while, and they finish about eight and four, and that's two-thirds of your schedule. And Gundy's win percentage, 668. That's almost exactly two-thirds. And then Whittingham has built up something pretty respectable at Utah. Uh, obviously one game away from going to the college football playoff this year and then just got slaughtered in the Pac-12 championship game. But uh, both those guys, while maybe not nationally prominent, I mean, they're close. They're on the cusp. Very respectable programs.
1: Yes, two guys who, like you said, they they garner respect. Uh, Utah is one of those teams that I – I just root for whenever I see him on TV. I just like the whole vibe of their squad. And they always seem to be are always are able to bring in like really good, good players. And uh, I just think Mike Gundy at Oklahoma state. Uh, I don't know, man, he, that if he leaves Oklahoma state, that, I just feel like that is just a perfect marriage there at Oklahoma state. Um Gundy's one of those guys who's a really big personality. And I think players really like the way he, he carries himself. Always he has the mullet, you know, the party and the, you know, party in the front, business in the or party in the back is the front, whatever that saying is. So, yeah, two guys that you know they definitely can recruit. That's for sure.
0: Number six on this list with a winning percentage of six ninety four, Les Miles of Kansas, and number five as we get into the top five at seven eleven, Gary Patterson from TCU. Les Miles, of course, won a national championship back in the day with LSU. He was fired there, and some people said that it was a wrongful termination. And now he's at Kansas trying to rebuild a program that has struggled just about as much as any Division I football program. And then Gary Patterson, another guy who's brought TCU to national prominence. They, uh, you know, they had that undefeated season in I think, 2010. Andy Dalton might have been quarterback of that team. And they didn't get to go to the championship, but they were able to play in the Rose Bowl. So they weren't upset because they'd never been to that stage before. And they've constantly been right there on the cusp of doing something special.
1: Yeah, uh, Gary Patterson at TCU. I respect any coach that can go and and coach in the state of Texas. That's you know you're not coaching the Texas Longhorns um, or anything like that. Just because the recruiting uh, competition there is, is so great, you got to really be able to uh, you know pull some guys out of that state. And he's been doing a good job. And and uh, yeah, he's he's a definitely a great coach. Les Miles. Uh, I feel like if you've been following college football over the last decade, you know who Les Miles is. Um, Had did some great things at LSU. Candace is a different story. That's a whole different challenge Um, That team's never really been able to they've had a couple Year or two where they were good, but um, definitely two names that you know, just based off their names alone uh, Definitely less miles more I think we'll be able to turn a program around, and Gary Patterson, I mean, he's been phenomenal at TCU.
0: We are going to cut into Will Kane a little bit. We're sorry, Will. Uh, but we're going to do it anyway because I want to get through the rest of this list. Number four with a winning percentage of 721, Brian Kelly of Notre Dame. And at number three with a winning percentage of 758, Jimbo Fisher from Texas A&M. Ryan Kelly, of course, won a national championship at Grand Valley State, the Division II level. That's not factored into this list, however. He went on to Cincinnati, Central Michigan, and he's, you know, as much as I criticize him because I have that high of a standard for Notre Dame, it's, it's hard to deny where... They've been lately. They made the national championship and, be got slaughtered. They made the college football playoff, albeit got slaughtered. But uh, <laughs> they've done a lot more winning than they've done losing. And uh, If it comes down to, to me as a fan, am I totally satisfied with where Kelly's the program? No. But do I want to go back to the Charlie Weiss, Tyrone Willingham days? Absolutely not. And the Jimbo Fisher, a guy who won a national championship less than 10 years ago with Jameis Winston as his quarterback, now giving it a go over at Texas A&M, and he's a guy that's certainly uh, been a legend around college football and will be for a long time.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of a team and either of those guys' names come up as as potentially your new head coach, I don't think you're you're too sad about that. Like you said, Brian Kelly, guy that's been able to do it from the ground up, and he, every every and any level have been able to come in and find success. you got to give the guy credit, get slaughtered in the big games but we'll we'll let that be passed um Jimbo Fisher like you said man he built a absolute powerhouse there um in the golden years there at Florida State ever since you know since he's gone that team's kind of fallen a, a little bit or a lot um and then going to Texas A&M again you're right in the state of Texas where you have five schools that you're competing against and and uh he's he's doing a, a solid job there I don't think he's he's doing uh you know reached up the level he wants to be at but I'm doing a solid job there, so um, both two guys, big names, and, and two good coaches.
0: The top two active college football coaches in terms of winning percentage, neither will be a surprise. Number one is Dabo Sweeney with an 8.07 win percentage, and number two is Nick Saban at 7.88. You can't say enough about what those two have done at their respective programs. They are the standard right now, and Saban, to be honest, has done it at multiple programs. He did it at LSU, then went to the NFL. That wasn't successful, so he came back to Bama, and he's been very successful.
1: Yeah, if uh, any of those two want to come on over to Ann Arbor, you know, <laughs> Nick Saban wants to come back to the state of Michigan, uh, Dallas Sweeney want to come try it at at U of M, I will be completely happy. Sorry, Jim Harbaugh, but uh, those are two guys. Man, those two guys, uh, they know how to coach and they've been very successful, and and I think they are, you know, perfect for this list. I think that's clear cut one and two right there.
0: With that, let's call it a day. Let's give Will Kane his airtime. Jake, always good having you, my man. Anything coming up in local three that we should be aware of?
1: Um, you know, not not too much. Uh, Tune in tomorrow. We're going to be talking to two um, extremely talented Marquette student-athletes, the winners of the Kiwanis Player of the Year Award, uh, Drew Weibel and Molly Kilpola. Um, And then Monday, we're going to talk with Tanner Caro. The AHL season uh, got canceled this week, and we're going to get his thoughts on that. So uh, just, uh, you know, trucking along here at Local 3.
0: That's it for us here in ESPN UP. Join us tomorrow, four Eastern, three Central. Until then, for Jake Duran, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to ESPN W.Z. I'm Ishmael Marquette.